Welcome to Hormone Health Podcast, brought to you by Georgia Hartman and Chloe Sheehan. This podcast is an extension of Hormone Health Studio, which is our naturopathic clinic based here in Newcastle and online. We're just two naturopaths who love a laugh, coffee, croissants, and conversations about real people with real health concerns. Nothing's off limits. We're here to educate you on what's happening in your body, share emerging research, and debunk buried health misconceptions. So sit back and let us do the talking. Just before we get into the podcast today, I do want to let our listeners know that this episode will be discussing early pregnancy loss as well as termination for medical reasons and stillbirth. So if this is too much for you today, pick back up with us maybe at another time. Hello, Chloe. Hey, how are you going? I'm good. I'm a bit tired. I feel like I'm going to start each episode like this for the next couple of years. That's your character now. (laughs) Hi, I'm Georgia. I'm a bit tired. (laughs) We've had our snacks. We're ready to go. And by snacks, I mean a bliss ball and a minty. Yes. I feel like we're quickly becoming the most unhealthy as naturopaths. Last time we were talking maybe about baked beans and... And pizza. Yeah. Yeah. What were we saying? We were raised on minties and fantails. Yes. And what did you show me a picture of today? Pizza pockets. Yeah. I don't know. Pizza rounders. Oh, pizza rounders. Well, whatever I feel like they're also called pizza pockets, Mm. but yeah, that brings back, back, back... Feel saliva in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Pizza pockets. What else did I have growing up? Uh, when I was talking to my friends the other day, saying that um, at our tuck shop we had soft drinks and tuck shop. Tuck shop. What do you call it? <laughs> Canteen. Tell me you're Australian without telling me you're Australian. At our tuck shop. Sorry, what did you have at your tuck shop? Uh, soft drink and chocolate bars. Yeah. Yeah. Look at me. I'm fine. I'm not actually. Yeah. (laughs) Debatable, that one. So what are we talking about today? Well, we're currently recording this episode after a day of seeing clients. And I just got off a call with a client who had experienced pregnancy loss. And it reminded me that there are so many factors that contribute to pregnancy loss. And I think particularly if our listeners are mostly women. Yeah. That... If you experience pregnancy loss, you can take that on as your own and you think, you know, what have I done this last week or if I didn't drink that or if I didn't do this movement, you know, maybe things would have been different. Um, Which we know logically is incorrect, but we can't help but feel as though in some way we caused this. When it's your body going through that, it's hard to think of any other external factors other than what you've been doing recently that could be contributing. But you and I both know that there's so many factors that get in the way. Completely. And I think what we're going to do today is basically break that down in terms of when we're thinking about pregnancy loss in particular early pregnancy loss we want to think about the things that can influence that Mm -hmm. um, with a reminder what we were saying that there's ways in which we can improve our base foundations egg and sperm quality in order to reduce the likelihood hopefully of pregnancy loss occurring again Mm -hmm. with the factor that um, genetic complications chromosomal abnormalities are the first line of why miscarriage occurs Mm -hmm. and i think two other things that we often don't think of like our nutrient status and our thyroid function and hormones like progesterone progesterone got its name from progestation so it's the hormone that supports pregnancy 
in those early days. And I think as well, whilst we're talking about this, we're going to interchangeably be using the the word miscarriage. But I guess I'm sort of moving more towards pregnancy loss because mm. for me, it's not um, I didn't miscarry a pregnancy, mm. um, and I don't want to have that sort of self-blame um and so i guess i'm still sort of using both of those words yeah absolutely so how how do you approach pregnancy loss in terms of me personally sure let's jump straight in okay (laughs) maybe our listeners may know because i have shared a little bit but um as of how we're recording now i have gone through three early pregnancy losses within the space of like nine months i think it's wild and so prior to that um we were trying to fall pregnant for about six months and then we were sort of having further interventions uh we have been able to conceive naturally um but it just doesn't go beyond 10 weeks and so being me I have gone down an absolute rabbit hole read Mm. all of the books done all of the research you name it the tests I've had done Mm. and still nothing has come up Mm. um or nothing definitive and so I guess with that sort of in mind um it's hard because a lot of what I'm doing is just sort of coming back to foundationals, yeah. making sure that I'm supporting my nervous system, making sure I'm doing the basics mm. because sometimes it's so much more complex than we will ever really understand. That's such a good point. And I think even on the flip side of that, sometimes it's really simple things that yeah, completely. can be getting in the way, not mm-hmm. to downplay your own personal experience or anything, but something like something like caffeine for example there was this interesting study from 2015 that suggested that the risk of pregnancy loss rose by 19 percent for every increase in caffeine intake of 150 milligrams per day yeah which is equivalent to like almost a double shot right double shots probably around 200 milligrams yeah um and so something as simple as caffeine consumption could be getting in the way same with alcohol and and when you mean getting in the way it's more of just like causing an imbalance with your nervous system as well impacting your sleep having a whole flow on effect to all of the other symptoms yeah absolutely um alcohol is probably another a good example because we see so many people well, yeah. And Drinking alcohol. Yeah, and especially partners, male partners, yeah. male factor partners in this as well. And so I think it's more just saying, okay, well, let's not – it's not black and white here. Mm. You don't have to completely go straighty 180. Mm-hmm. But there is an understanding saying that we know that alcohol does reduce the um, chances of conception and long-term alcohol use can impact egg and sperm quality. And so it's more, you know, when we have clients coming into our space, we're trying not to make it fear-based at all. We're saying, Mm. well, what can we do that's in our control that we can try to improve? What we can focus on. That's a big thing that I always say too because you can get so caught up with a diagnosis or a label Mm -hmm. or a number of a test result and it's like well you can't necessarily control that so let's focus on the things we can control and we know that the science is so clear that stress sleep exercise they're all foundationals of health totally and they all can affect Mm -hmm. and most of the time depending on where you are in your fertility journey and also um, depending on how many losses you may have experienced you would probably be working with a fertility specialist let them be their sciencey self in terms of running all of those tests that they need to Mm. in terms of um, 
you know, if there does need to be like uh, surgeries yeah. or anything like that, and we can do what's within our control. Yeah, I like that. I had another client <clears throat> yesterday who had said who's trying to conceive, and uh, one of her hormones was tested, AMH, anti-malarian hormone. And so she found us because she started researching about this hormone and was, you know, like really freaking out that she wasn't going to be able to conceive and, you know, you can spiral quite quickly when you're Googling. Oh, completely. I've, <laughs> and I've so been on all the forums from I like bet. 2013. <laughs> I was like, how's Becky going? Did she fall pregnant? <laughs> They're like, Chloe, we banned you from this group. I know, honestly. And as you will probably get to listen to my podcast, you'll know that I'll use humor in a way to like describe my emotional state. So... <laughs> So she's really funny. <laughs> really. Uh, but where I was going with that was that, you know, rather than going down the Google rabbit hole, let your team, your professional health professional team take care of all of that side of things, you focus on what you can control. You take, yeah, and it's really, you know, when we're when we're researching about ourselves and Googling, we have a bias. We tend to want to read until we get that answer that we know. Um, whereas if you can work with a team, they can look at it from an out, like that outsider's perspective and say, okay, this is mm. what it's looking like. This is what we need to do. And so where I'm at now, it's just sort of, I'm seeing my own naturopath mm-hmm. and I am doing all and I'm doing quotes here like all the right things mm-hmm. and sometimes you just have to be patient and there's a quote that I have been saying to my clients recently particularly my fertility clients or my pregnancy loss clients and it may be a bit cushy but nature does not hurry yet everything is accomplished mm. And so I feel as though sometimes we're at the mercy of our own patience and mm. wanting things to happen quickly, but... Like us trying to set up this podcast. Oh my gosh, <laughs> this is teaching me patience. <laughs> we, um, to give a bit of context, we have been trying this for, I don't know, a few weeks now, right? And so whenever we catch a break in between clients and we've got time married up together, we're like, okay, let's try, let's record something, let's record something. And we've gone through, I don't know how many different software programs and it's just like not right or not good quality. And, and then as soon as we go to a record, it's like all of a sudden we produce like 10 tons of like mucus. In <laughs> oh, no, I get really phlegmy. I think it's like a stress response. Your like, n- nose is running. Yeah, my nose is running. I like feel like I need to cough all the time. And even just today setting this one up, like I, I took wait, I thought I was prepared, but yet I had to go into Chloe's office, get her computer because mine needed to update and I couldn't figure it out. And, you know, anyway, we're here. We're here. We're doing it. <laughs> and so what we're going to chat about next is in terms of the actual causes, potential causes of miscarriage and recurrent pregnancy loss. Yeah. I like it. Take it away. In terms of what we're talking about here, we'll start off with the anatomical issues. So typically needed like a uterine um, cavity evaluation to check that everything is okay inside the uterine space. That can be polyps, fibroids, adhesions. And just a simple ultrasound, right, is something you can do to... Yeah, or hysteroscopy. Yeah. Hysteroscopy, yeah, Yeah. which is essentially a dilation of the cervix um, and they are having a look inside. Have you had that done? You name it, I've had it. Was it painful? I'm going to no, ask that for... I was on for... sedation. <laughs> ask that for every I single thing, I think. you can do it, like... Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, I think it... Uh, yeah, yeah, you have to be. And uh, I've also had a... 
I'm trying to think of the name. Hycosy. Hycosy, yeah. yeah, which is also, you can do that fine. I didn't need any pain medication for yeah, that. Yeah, that one's interesting because, so a hycosy is where they check the patency of your fallopian tubes. Essentially, if the fallopian tubes are open, it's probably a nice exactly. simple and way to say. And interestingly, the opening of the fallopian tubes is like a, a sewing needle. It's tiny. Isn't that wild? Mm. It's just the whole process. But... The egg is the largest cell in the body and it's the size of a full stop at the end of a sentence. Really? Yeah. Uh, Chloe has so many stats. In my brain. Yeah. You were just, um, you're a stat machine. <laughs> stat machine. <laughs> the intro. Great. No. Next, we're talking about anatomical issues, but then we sort of move on to genetic issues, which is majority of why... Um, miscarriages do occur because there is a mismatch between dna and of the sperm and the egg and so really this would be through blood tests or testing of the embryo have you had that done no i haven't so i guess that would probably be the next steps for us if we did go on to have any more losses we would probably do egg collection and then do testing of embryos um the other way for them to do it as well is to test uh, now, I really don't like the medical terminology, retained products, mm. essentially. Um, and I completely understand that that's a sensitive topic for mm. people. But the whole of organising that and then getting yeah, it... Yeah, just to, logistically. Yeah, it's just... It's unrealistic. And yeah, uh, yeah I, as much as you sort of want to do it, it's yeah. just in the in the moment, that's the last thing you're thinking Absolutely. about. I mean, I've had a couple of clients who have, and it's been quite good in terms of knowing Mm. potentially what had gotten in the way um but i think as as we go through these list of all of these factors you'll often find that it will never be just one thing right like it'll always be a combination of even seemingly insignificant things that can pile up and affect whether that's fertility or pregnancy loss one of the other genes though that we often test for uh, MTHFR genes Mm -hmm. and interestingly there was a bit of a war on one of my TikTok videos about MTHFR being related to pregnancy loss Mm -hmm. and a genetic counsellor had said that um, there's no like how can we be reading the same research and yet naturopaths and genetic counsellors interpret it differently Mm -hmm. which I thought was so interesting because from my perspective when I read research around genetics and pregnancy loss I see a link between variations in MTHFR genes but as I said it's it's never going to be one thing exactly not it's a piece of the puzzle Mm. and um in terms of when they're sort of that that MTHFR still hasn't been maybe a confirmed in terms of conventional understanding of pregnancy mm. loss, but it's a piece of the puzzle in what we do, what we work with here. Yeah, and I think when it comes to folate, like there's a really interesting study underway here in Australia looking or well, comparing folic acid versus methylfolate and the effect of that on pregnancy loss. So I think we're learning. We are learning and it's always ever evolving. Mm. This is a really tough space to research in because it requires you know, testing of women and yeah, the risk of miscarriage. Yeah, you can't just do like a randomised control trial of Completely. all these different things because it would be so unethical. No, so yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's a tricky space. And, and considering that that's one gene when we have hundreds mm. of genes, mm. what the thing is, what don't we know yet? Yeah. Um, moving on to immune issues, so hyperactive immune system. And I guess 
really the immune system can control a lot when we're thinking about um, creating an embryo which is a which is when um, the egg fertil- when the sperm fertilizes the egg uh, we're dealing with somebody else's DNA mm. and if your immune system is not accepting that extra DNA then there's going to be an issue here mm. and so um, we really don't want in quotes a boosted immune system because we don't want it to be hyperactive and so when we're sort of thinking about um, immune issues we're thinking here about thyroid dysfunction we're thinking about autoimmune conditions we're thinking about blood clotting um, conditions antiphospholipid syndrome natural killer cells the list goes on Mm. again like tests that we can run to um, you know understand whether that might be a factor for you other other things too like antibodies like thyroid antibodies whether there's underlying autoimmunity in terms of celiac disease or thyroid autoimmunity celiac disease is one of those ones that people may not realize they're celiac until they go through those testing Um, i think here's another stat for you one in 20 australians are have celiac disease oh really that's interesting I yeah didn't know that was a that lot hard. of them undiagnosed because sometimes one of the biggest symptoms would just be fatigue yeah how do you go searching for a cause of that when you typically think oh there should be some association with my gut mm, we see it quite a bit oh, well I I do clinically because often I'm seeing nutrient deficiencies like iron b12 vitamin d and if those have been going on for a while or you've tried to improve them and they don't improve then often the next step is okay well what could be getting in the way of these nutrient absorptions something like celiac disease does that so what i've seen is that particularly with iron it's quite interesting i've had a couple of clients who have eventually been diagnosed with celiac disease gone off gluten which is the treatment yeah and their iron has improved naturally without any supplementation. It's fascinating. And not needing infusion after infusion yeah. after infusion of iron. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and really, these sorts of testings, just to clarify here, this would all be done by a fertility specialist. Yeah. It's not something that we have access to. Um, it would need to be a workup typically after um, two or maybe three pregnancy losses. I think that's another good point too. Like what classifies recurrent pregnancy loss? Interesting you say that because here we go here Here she is um recently they've changed the classifications and I think it did start potentially in Ireland maybe uh where they are now sort of classing recurrent pregnancy loss as two Mm. and for some places as well they're also including chemical pregnancies Mm. which is before um a a fetus uh, sorry an embryo can be seen on an ultrasound Mm. And yeah, it, it, we are again talking very technical, um, but this is. I know what... sometimes I think, how is, is this? How, anyway, the, people can, will let us know. Of course, some people, you know, pregnancy loss is pregnancy loss, depending on how long it is. If you're seeing those two lines on a pregnancy um, test, that is your future, that's your mm. hopes and dreams, mm-hmm. that's your excitement, and um, it doesn't take it away for how long it's been. So moving on um, to hormonal issues, and this is something that uh, can be within our control in terms of trying to rectify. Um, Hormonal issues aren't just in relation to ovulation and period. Mm -hmm. We have hormones all throughout our body, 
the hormones can include insulin hormones can include thyroid hormone um, different prolactin levels as well and so typically we would see this in the sense of uh, maybe lower progesterone causing luteal phase defect Mm -hmm. even something like high insulin or insulin resistance and difficulty shifting weight and if that's associated with pcos polycystic ovary syndrome something like insulin resistance can get in the way and something like thyroid dysfunction again pcos which is metabolic in relation to insulin yeah absolutely i think too when it comes to hormones right and this is what i often explain to my clients is that there's a whole communication axis called the hpo axis the hypothalamic pituitary ovarian axis and so essentially when it comes to hormones and reproductive hormones it starts in the brain And so what we need to do is ensure that our diet, our lifestyle, our sleep, our stress is all managed in a way that's going to support the hypothalamus. Because if the hypothalamus isn't supported correctly, then it cannot create in normal amounts hormones to stimulate the pituitary, to then stimulate the ovaries, and then a cascade of hormonal imbalances, so to speak, occur. The way I was explaining it to a client the other day is essentially hormones are almost like your email signalers. They send the message and if that email is, for whatever reason, not sent correctly, then your organs can't signal each other or can't communicate. Yeah, exactly. Um, Anything else you wanted to add with the hormonal issues? Oh, look, I could keep going. But I think generally, you know, this is another area to look at when it comes to pregnancy loss. What are your hormones doing? And there is some sort of controversy around um, progesterone use in terms of is your body low progesterone, not producing adequate progesterone because there isn't a viable sort of embryo there Uh um i guess that's sort of another topic that we can discuss another day but after hormonal issues there's also unexplained recurrent pregnancy loss which typically they believe to be more of a chromosomal Mm. um imbalance in the embryo can i ask is that is that the label that you've been given i haven't been given a label i was basically told we we don't know until it sort of there starts to become a pattern that we can pick up on um and because we haven't been able to test whether or not there was chromosomal Mm. abnormalities at the moment we just don't know Mm. um yeah because because of that first um podcast that we the first episode that we did talking about my history with chlamydia Mm -hmm. you know anytime that you're having infections and that can lead us on to our next thing you know we've got to think that there's a whole microbiome outside of your gut there's a uterine Mm -hmm. microbiome there's the vaginal microbiome we we just don't know what's had a role in that i've had a laparoscopy clean as a whistle Mm-hmm. He said, great looking inside organs. Everything's looking good. You said, thanks, let's go for dinner. Yeah, I wanted to print them out. No, I didn't. <laughs> and so, you, you know, you can do all the tests again and it's just so hard to know what it is. Yeah. I w- sometimes I wish that there was something. I wish that it was something specific that I could be like, okay, I know what to do. Take mm-hmm. this medication or do this. Mm-hmm. I just want something to grasp onto mm-hmm. to give me some hope that it will be like, okay, it might be different next time. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? That there's nothing tangible. No. That's the really hard thing. And and saying with, if someone had said to you, hey, Chloe, you'll conceive after like 18 months of trying and this is what you're going to go through, you could go, okay, that's fine. Like, yeah. I, I can mentally prepare for that journey. But the fact that you don't know 
what the journey looks like and how long it's going to go on for. But I think you make a really good point, and I hear you say this all the time and you say to me, is that everyone has their suffering, and I love that. It sticks with me, and it's like, well, maybe you should explain it (laughs) before I ruin it. (laughs) No, you can say my quote. No. Yeah, Um, Uh, by Chloe uh, (laughs) Statue. Essentially, it's it's helped me sort of feel better in terms of just because – this is my struggle now in terms of falling pregnant and and having a viable pregnancy doesn't mean the rest of my Mm. parenthood journey or a journey as being a parent is going to be full of struggle. Mm -hmm. Some people are able to conceive really quickly, but then say they may have traumatic births Mm -hmm. or they may really struggle to breastfeed or they may suffer with postpartum depletion or depression. Mm. That no one is free of suffering. Mm. And I know that sounds dark but I think it's just the reality and and so I think really moving forward it's like well this right here right now is mine Mm -hmm. and it's not going to dictate the rest of what's going on Mm -hmm. and so the final part here is talking about infection and so when we think about infection in relation to pregnancy loss and recurrent pregnancy loss we need to think about things here such as endometritis Mm -hmm. which is an infection of the endometrium the lining of the uterus Um, also talking about common sexual sexually transmitted infections uh, such as chlamydia chlamydia, exactly and so I guess talking about infections you know that's really something that we do here in clinic is actually vaginal microbiome support because there has been an association with um, the vaginal microbiome but in when we're thinking about other infections when you do a basic preconception screening they are going to be testing for sexually transmitted infections when you are talking to a health practitioner they will speak to you about your history with stis and only if you do get to the point where you're unable to hold a pregnancy Mm. then they will do further testing like endometritis it's not just a basic workup these are future things yeah there's a lot right there's a lot of investigations the vaginal microbiome is a really interesting area that I was going to say I'm obsessed with, but obsessed is probably the wrong word when you talk about the vaginal microbiome. But I'm really I'm a bit obsessed with it. Yeah, it's interesting. And the testing that we've been doing is just fascinating to look at all the different types of bacteria and the different species of lactobacillus because as a general introduction to the vaginal microbiome, if you compare it to the gut microbiome, you want diversity in the gut. You want all different species and levels and you want diversity. The vagina is the complete opposite. You want that strictly lactobacillus dominant. And if it's not, it creates an environment and changes the pH. And the environment is one which other pathogens can grow and, you know, and also dysbiosis. And, and you're wanting that environment to be supporting of the semen. The yeah. semen. The, semen. <laughs> <laughs> the men on the ships out at sea. The semen. That look like sperm. It's so graphic. Um, well, it's interesting, actually, about sperm because I think there's a lot to say about male factors when it comes to pregnancy loss because I think, as I mentioned earlier, like when you experience pregnancy loss, you quickly kind of blame yourself because you're like, that was my body that did that. Like, what, what did I do that caused that? But we know that, I don't know, you're going to whip out a stat, 30%, 40%, up to 50%. I think 40 to 50% is the sort of the the main sort of target when we're thinking about male factor in terms yeah. of conception. So up to 50% of pregnancy loss can be caused by male factors. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I think when we're thinking about um, talking about 
the DNA, mm. the sperm head will hold all of that DNA. Mm. And if there is issues there in terms of when we're thinking about motility, um, sperm swim in a corkscrew mo corkscrew motion and so we want to make sure that they're able to swim adequately and then their morphology what shape are they do mm. they have two tails do they have two heads what, what's going on mm. interestingly you only need four percent of total sperm to be okay morphology mm. to be classed as adequate mm. fertility mm. which just blows my mind when 50th percentile needs to be above sort of 15 percent. that's mm. what we're sort of aiming for around sort of 50 percent 15 percent or above of morphology of morphology um yeah it's interesting when you say like the in the sperm the dna is carried in the head so the sperm penetrates and fertilizes the egg it's actually the egg's responsibility to clean up any damage in the sperm and then any damage in the egg and I always joke, and I'm like, oh, they're cleaning up from the day dot. <laughs> <laughs> but the point is, if we can improve sperm quality by like 5%, that's 5% less pressure on the egg to create a healthy embryo. And also research around that is that the egg actually chooses which sperm. I think that, look, We've spoken a lot about all the factors that can get in the way, and you know, I'm sure there's many more. There's many things you can't test, which is the most frustrating thing, like egg quality. Like, it, we always talk about egg quality. Why isn't there a simple blood test that can test egg quality? Exactly. And I think coming back to your point of testing things like AMH. Now, in terms of talking about that test, um, there's sort of like a, an in-joke when thinking about AMH. It's almost called the anxiety-making hormone because it's causes so much stress around fertility and you and I were opposites in terms of you I okay I'll say I I have a really high AMH like Uh, okay yeah 55 or something uh, the last time I tested which can be characteristic of um many cysts on the ovaries whereas Mm. for yourself less than 0.01 pick a moles per liter. <laughs> well, and you've been able to conceive and I yeah, haven't. Well, so it's, well, you have conceived. Oh, yeah. Uh, but it's really interesting, isn't it, that AMH gets such limelight when in fact we actually don't really know clinically what role it plays. We, we, we know from research that if, depending on your AMH level, you might respond a certain way to IVF medications. Which is why it's typically done for fertility. In an IVF yeah. setting. Uh, but, you know, naturally, we, we don't know what that means. And that's why it's $90 to test, not bulk build, because mm-hmm. it's not necessary all of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. Um, can I ask, what are some things that you've found useful when experiencing pregnancy loss? Uh, there's a few things. So I, the first time you go through it, for me anyway, I was really upset, but I sort of held comfort in the fact that I knew it was a 20% chance that uh-huh. in one and four that this may happen. And so I was like, okay, this is just what happens. I know people, many people who have had experienced pregnancy loss as mm-hmm. a one-off. And so I was like ups, upset. Yes, definitely. But I was like hopeful. And then when it happened again, it hit me. I was, I had to leave work. I got the call from the fertility, fertility nurse. Were you, were you here? Yeah. Yeah. And um, I was getting ready for a day and I got a call from the fertility nurse. And, you know, if, if you've gone through um, any sort of thing like that, you'll know you have to start off with your date of birth and your name. Mm. And I could just tell by her tone. She's like, oh. 
and I just knew that my HCG hadn't doubled and it just hit me although it was before or just on five weeks I was mm. like how have I gone from a one in 20 chance to now one uh, a two in a hundred mm. percentage and so I think that time I was like, okay, I need to create my safety net I, because if this happens again, which the likelihood that it could, I can't be going on the same way that I'm feeling like this. Mm-hmm. And so this is where I, um, I got a mental health care plan mm-hmm. and I started seeing a psychologist. And Can I ask, how was that process, like going to the GP and getting a mental health care plan? It's actually okay. It's actually, it's tough because... I it took me a little while to get into my GP and then once you're there your active stage of grief passes yeah. and so the process of a a mental health care plan is a questionnaire and it's how have you been in relating it to the past seven days, seven days. and it's like fine yeah I'm actually okay yeah, and so I think it's more a reiteration that this is my safety net this is a just in case mm. because I wanted to speak to my psychologist when I felt okay. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to go in as a blubbering mess and be like, try to pick together the pieces. Mm-hmm. I wanted to go in and say, this is who I am. This is what I'm going through. If it happens again, I need, I mm-hmm. want you here to support me. And so my GP was absolutely amazing. She's great. I saw her maybe six times before February mm-hmm. of this year. And so um, I saw her more than I see my family. I'm like, hey, Jess. <laughs> literally here's your latte yeah and so um she was great and I got my health mental health care plan and then the other thing that was really beneficial for me too in the midst of all my googling was I found Pink Elephant Support Network Mm. and they are a non-for-profit organization based here in Australia they've been running for seven years and they are a resource for women uh, people who have experienced pregnancy loss and it was amazing to just sort of read other people's stories. I listened to some great podcasts um, or just even some stories of people who have gone through pregnancy loss. And I also came across that they were hosting a bereavement support group, which was a six-week support group run by um, their counsellor. And so on a whim, I just submitted an application and I got a call maybe a week or so later um, and they just sort of talked me through what it involved. I had to be available you know, one day a week at the same time. Um, I understood that it was with a group as well and and that I would need to sort of be there mm-hmm. and it would just sort of help us in terms of supporting us through pregnancy loss, understanding different styles of grief and processing. Mm. And did your partner Will uh, do that with you? No, no, it's just for the person who's experienced. Yeah, okay, great. And so that probably leads us actually into something we're doing for the Pink Elephants, which is so exciting. Because they... This organisation, the Pink Elephant Support Network, have been such a vital part of my journey through fertility and pregnancy loss. I really wanted to give back to them. I wanted to raise awareness for their network and I wanted to raise money for them as well. And so this October, which marks Pregnancy Loss and Awareness Month, Saturday the 14th of October, we are hosting a fundraiser called the Funking Epic pink elephants fundraiser it's a mouthful sometimes i really have to think about it before i say it before i start like swearing yeah, like, my head off it? to like a random on the street and because of the topic is quite sensitive um we really want to make sure that it is also a fun night because 
pregnancy loss zaps a lot of our mm. enjoyment mm-hmm. you know we don't I can't speak on behalf of everyone but I don't want to go to social events I don't yeah. want to talk to people about and say how, how are you going what's been going on what's yeah. news it's like I don't want to yeah. because I'm good now and I'm not thinking about it I don't want you to ask me and so you find yourself just getting like you just don't want to go to the same things that you're used to so mm. This, what we're doing with this fundraiser is we are having some amazing guest speakers. It's going to be at Erp Distilling Co. here in Carrington, Newcastle. And vibe. Absolute vibe. We have got a big, shiny disco ball. We have got a vinyl DJ. And we are just going to make it real in terms of what we're talking about. Talking about the awareness, bringing a community of people together who have either experienced pregnancy loss or who have supported or work with people who have experienced pregnancy loss. Circling back to the disco ball, is it... I can't remember. Meter, one metre by one metre. That's a huge... 30 kilos. <laughs> what more do you want to know? <laughs> yes, it's spinning. Oh, my gosh. And they come and install it. And then they take it back. Like, it's a whole thing. Yeah, and we can't I remember not when be you, without it. Totally. I remember when you said, like, oh, should we get a disco ball? And it's like, yes, absolutely. Like, mm. I don't care how much it costs. We need a disco ball. We need ball. a disco ball. And because it's at Earp Distillery, we also will be having gin on arrival if you don't drink we've got other options mm-hmm. the the ticket Canapes. cost canapé the ticket cost is um to to come to the event to listen to our guest speakers we'll have a media wall for photos you mm-hmm. get to interact with a community of people who have gone through a collective experience mm-hmm. or similar but you know to you. it's not that you know you're not going to be grouped with anyone and have to talk about your journey it's simply community getting together yeah having a night out that's not um, it's not kind of the fun isn't stripped away from you because you're on this journey you know how often you know whether it's your birthday or something and you're like oh no I shouldn't drink I shouldn't do this I shouldn't do that because I might be pregnant or I am pregnant or you know me on my 30th birthday you are your 30th exactly and so you know that sucks happy birthday I was like no I don't want to be 30 I don't yeah. want to enter this new decade still without a baby yeah and so this event we would absolutely love for you to help us we are hoping to get around 200 people um it's a night where you can get a group of friends together dress up you don't have to wear pink i will be wearing pink i'm gonna get glitter i know it's bad for the environment maybe we can do eco glitter can you get eco glitter (laughs) just gonna wear leaves i'm wearing leaves (laughs) you missed the memo and um and we're going to dance. It'll be warmer weather. I reckon I could get away with leaves. I'm going to get fries on the way home. Yeah, exactly. And McFlurry, dip it in. Stephen will be like, where are you going? I was like, what do you mean? Is he going to come? Me and my leaves. Uh, <laughs> well, you see, it's not child-friendly, right? So It's I, not. No kids allowed. No kids allowed. So Stephen can't go. Well, I mean, Stephen will be looking after the kids probably. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Any, anybody can will come will be along. coming, though. He, he will be. Yeah. He's at everything that he I do. He is. Bless Every, him. Chloe was saying that. You know, back in the day when she used to do like little talks and things, will it just be front row? Front row, oh, looking diligently. Listening. I wouldn't be able to do it. I would not be able to concentrate. Stephen would ask questions. 
Oh. He'd be like, where's the research? Are you sure about that? <laughs> we'll just because we'll, that doesn't add up. He'll just hug me at the end and be like, that was great. Oh, my goodness. That's the other thing. In terms of pregnancy loss, it's about finding your pack of mm. people. Pack of people? Is that the plural? Whatever. I'm running peoples. with it. Yeah. Um, of people who, who get you. And, you know, it's really tough for men to physically understand what you can go through when you're experiencing pregnancy loss so having that open communication listening to different podcasts we are not alone in this although it's the most isolating and alone feeling you will ever feel in the world maybe not in the world but um that's surely how i felt but to just sort of hear when somebody says yeah i've had a loss too it's like they get it or yeah yeah. so absolutely It was interesting because we had a meeting recently with Amanda and Danielle from the Pink Elephants Support Network and about the fundraiser and kind of like what the plan is and, you know. Meet face to face. Meet face to face. A try. It was really nice actually, wasn't it? Um, But it was so interesting to learn about how many other fundraisers are going on for the Pink Elephants. Queensland is going blazing. <laughs> yeah, and like men are running was it two fundraisers I think so. that were like I don't know whether it was one was a marathon and one was something else yeah one was a race and I think yeah it's incredible Amazing. There's, there's other people like this for me was something that I was like lying in bed being like how can I give back Mm. And I was, you're the doer. And so I was like, oh, Georgia, what do you think I'm thinking about? Like, maybe like a little disco ball. You're like, let's do it. Big one. Get a big one. Get a big one. And so... kind of want to keep it. You can't keep it. Okay, we'll, we'll Where see about you that. put it in your land Doesn't room? matter. I feel like there's a spot right in the there clinic. in the clinic. Yeah. We can get rid of that. You know, like, imagine coming into the clinic room and there's a big fuck-off disco ball. <laughs> It'd be like if you were coming in because you were stressed or sad, not no more. Naturopathy. <laughs> DJ Stu. Yeah. DJ. 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 <laughs> well, yeah. So as you can probably hear from us, we are very excited for this fundraiser. Disco ball. Yeah, for this disco ball. It'd I want good. pink donuts. I'm just going to say Yeah, it. yeah. Okay. We need to sort that out too. Um, but we, we need and want 200 to 250 people. We are going to not stop talking about it for probably 12 more months. And so we need we need your help. So in the uh, show notes, I'm going to pop a link where you can get a ticket. Um, and there'll be prizes. Like We're going all out. We, we didn't, didn't even talk about know. the prizes. There's going to yeah. be a fundraiser. Uh, uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> there is going to be a fundraiser. There's going to be a giveaway. A giveaway. It, and we've got so many great businesses on board already and we're kind of not going to stop there so that's really exciting uh, but yeah we need your help to get the numbers so share subscribe <laughs> swipe up <laughs> subscribe to this podcast that'll do nothing other than i don't know get us on the charts Claire said i was like charts i feel like on I'm the charts Miley. yeah um so thank you so much for listening to this podcast today uh, this episode today we know that it can be a tough topic to talk about mm. but i think just making people aware that this is happening yeah that this is more real. common than you think and just to sort of touch on the last thing pink elephant support network uh, have recently created a campaign um talking about count our babies because statistically they're not being counted in terms of pregnancy loss mm-hmm. in terms of um even chemical pregnancies and so i think that one in four mm. loss where are we pulling that from yeah 
we don't know is it increasing is it decreasing and so there's a lot that we can do to support and create more of a movement in terms of this space amazing thanks for listening to this week's episode if you liked it leave us a review and follow us on socials we'd love to hear from you